You're listening to The Road with Pastor Teacher Steve Holt. Tribulation is God's way of pulling out the chaff in our life. And I think sometimes what God has to do is take us out of our normal routine to cause us to rethink our lives. Today, Pastor Steve continues his series on the book of Revelation. At The Road, our vision is to raise up wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ. For more information on The Road, visit theroad.org. We hope you are encouraged by today's message from pastor-teacher Steve Holt. We are in the book of Revelation, and um, we are moving through here in the first chapter. Um, If you're new with us tonight, this is the third message we've done. We're calling it the Apocalypse. That's the theme of the book of Revelation. That's where we get the word Revelation. It's the unveiling of the Son of Man. It is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. That's That's the reason it's called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. And so this Revelation of Jesus Christ is a revelation to his people, to the church. And you're going to see that especially tonight as we start in verse 9 that the Lord is revealing himself in this vision of the Son of Man at a time of great persecution. Domitian is in power. Domitian was one of a string of despot emperors and rulers in Rome who severely persecuted the church. And this persecution you guys, has been going on now for about 30 years, maybe 26 years. And the Christians are still being um, served up in the Colosseum in Rome and being eaten by lions as a regular diet to the people of that time. Most all of the leadership within the church has gone underground. Um, You can go to Rome today and go to the catacombs And these are underground caves that were carved out. And this is where a lot of the Christian leaders and believers were hiding out from Nero before and Domitian now. This is in the mid-90s. In 96 AD, um, Domitian was assassinated. And that's when John was brought back from the island of Patmos. So he's still on the island of Patmos. So somewhere in the early to mid-90s is what we're reading. And, And remember this, he hasn't seen Jesus He has not seen Jesus since he ascended to heaven some 60 years before. And so he's going to see Jesus now. He's going to see Jesus for the first time in 60 years. An open vision. And I've never had an open vision. But I have a lot of, I've known a lot of people that have had open visions of the Lord. And they've they've experienced God. They've experienced an, an angelic presence. And you don't want that. Don't dream about that. Um, you'll see why here. And if you study, if you have any vision, oh, if I could just see a vision of Jesus, I would believe. Read the Bible more often. You don't want that. It's not good, you know. Um, but, uh, but, the, but the book of Revelation seven times says you will be blessed by hearing it, blessed by reading it, And blessed by obeying it. So it's the only book in the Bible that talks about this blessing of the Lord. So bring your Bibles. And I know we have an app and everything. But bring your Bibles. And and open it. And read it for yourself. I want to encourage you in your time to the Lord. 
over the next year, read and reread the book of Revelation and, and mark up your Bibles. And, and we have an outline in the app because I want some of you to be teaching this stuff in the years ahead. There's so many anointed teachers in this church. It's amazing. And, uh, and, and what I have, when you have notes, those are an outline of my notes. They're not copious. They're not the notes I teach from. And so you just have an outline. But if some of you are teaching it, you're doing Bible studies in the book of Revelation, and you ever want my full notes, you can have them. Uh, Steve Holt, copyright laws are copy it right. Okay. So bring your Bible. So verse 9, we're in, the, we're in verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation, the tribulum, and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, I've already talked about this, but, the, but Patmos is about uh, 24 miles off the coast of present-day Turkey. Back then, it would be called Asia Minor, and it's in the Aegean Sea. It's about 13 square miles, and it was a volcanic island for mining. So the prisoners of Rome were sent to Patmos to mine. And so John is 90 years old. And, and tradition says that he was, he was vibrant. He was joyful. And he worked the mines every day without complaining. Can you imagine a guy like John? He's been boiled in oil and, and lived. His body is just scarred with all the persecution he's been under. And he's 90. Don't you think he might have thought it's time to retire? <laughs> Aren't there any links in Patmos? You know, can I go scuba diving, guys? But, but history tells us that he, was, he not only didn't retire, but he was refired. And he is fired up with what's about to happen to him. And you're going to see how he's set up by the Lord for this. And, you know, for some of you who are getting a little older, and um, I know who you are because I'm one of you. Um, we have to re-up our spirit-filled life and ask God for fresh vision. For, for John, though, he says he's a companion in the tribulation. And tribulation comes from the word tribulum. And a tribulum was a was usually it was different in different places, but it was basically a large steel object, usually with, with steel or metal teeth. And you would take the wheat and you would throw the wheat down on the barn floor and they would drag the tribulum, this heavy metal object, over the wheat and it would pull out the chaff. It would pull out the chaff because of the teeth that were in it. It, was, it would push down on it and pull out the chaff. And tribulations like that. Tribulation is God's way of pulling out the chaff in our life. And I think sometimes what God has to do is take us out of our normal routine to cause us to rethink our lives. And, and John is having to do that. John is pulled out of the church, a vibrant, dynamic church. Probably he was an apostle to the seven churches of Asia Minor that he's going to write the cyclical letter to. And he has to be pulled out in tribulation. And church, remember this. You will go through tribulation. And God can use it in amazing ways 
if you'll let him, if you'll trust him. So Jesus said this, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, but in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. God does his greatest work in turning you and me into overcomers through obstacles and situations that we do not know what to do. Where it's out of our hands. God allows tribulation. He takes us into situations where we absolutely don't know what to do. That we have to trust him. I have um, a close friend. Right now who's going through tribulation in college. And experiencing some things in college. And he has had to pray and to seek the Lord like never before. Because of the tribulation that he's in. This tribulum. But God is doing his greatest work in him. Through the tribulation. And though at this time as I speak. We don't know. You know exactly what's going to happen. In this. The victory hasn't come. But I can tell you this. It's going to happen. And it's already happening in his life personally. Domitian has sent John to the island of Patmos, 24 miles off the coast of Turkey in the Aegean Sea on this volcanic island. And boy, did Domitian overreach himself. Because it's here that the book of Revelation is about to be written. That wouldn't have been written if John wasn't on the island of Patmos. And so many times when God takes you through hard things, try not to squirm out of it, but ask him what he's doing. Because he has a fresh work and a fresh vision to speak to you about during that time. Most believers, most believers I found are unwilling to stay in the place of the tribulum because we're so used to the comfort of our own life. And so God takes us and he puts us under that tribulum. I hate tribulums as much as anyone. But sometimes God slows us down, tears us away from the familiar so that we'll listen in a fresh way. I call it sanctified loneliness. That sometimes God takes you through sanctified loneliness. And take it from me. Quit blaming. Don't blame but receive what God has for you. Because it's there that you might discover Your belovedness. How much you're loved. How precious you are in the sight of the Lord. When others have rejected you. And you've gone through betrayal or hurt and pain. It's a beautiful place to be. To ask the Lord. Lord would you love me? Would you love me here? I mean we we talk about loving the Lord with all of our heart. What about saying Lord would you love me? With all of your heart. You say that I'm precious in your sight. You say, for, for God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. You, you loved me. So, Lord, would you love me here? I want to feel your love. To ask him for that kind of love that you'd feel his love. I've prayed that so many times. And he shows up. Some of you have never felt love before. And sometimes God takes us through tribulation Because he wants that prayer to come out of our heart. Lord, love me. Would you love me? I'm precious in your sight. I was in the Spirit. Verse 10. On the Lord's day, 
And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. I had a hard time thinking about this when I was preparing this message because we meet on Saturday night. Um, the Lord's Day is Sunday in Scripture. Um, no, nowhere in the New Testament do we have uh, any other day associated with the Lord's Day but the first day of the week which would have been Sunday after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we're meeting on Saturday night because we have to. But, um, and, and every day is the Lord's day in one sense. But when he speaks of this is Sunday, this is not, we have no reference anywhere again, much to the chagrin of the Seventh-day Adventists, of the, the seventh day being the, the last day of the week, the sixth day, I guess we could say, of the Sabbath, the Shabbat, being where Christians worship. They always worshiped after the resurrection on the first day of the week. Jesus stayed in the tomb on the Sabbath and it was the first day of the week that he was raised. The gospel accounts of the resurrection of Christ have it all occurring on Sunday, the first day of the week. It was the first day of the week that the disciples were assembled in the upper room when Jesus first appeared to them. So the church became designated as a day of worship being the first day of the week. We find in the word Acts 20, on the first day of the week, the disciples came together to break bread. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul exhorts the church to give tithes and offerings on the first day of the week. All Christian writers after the resurrection of Christ, when referring to the Lord's day, are speaking of the first day of the week. So this is the first day. This is Sunday. And John is in the spirit. Are you in the spirit tonight? Because I think he, I don't think the vision could have occurred if John wasn't in the spirit. I think we miss, your pastor included, we miss so much of what God has for us by not being in the spirit. So many times I just go through life with activities and I just, you know, serving people, serving my family, serving myself, that's rare. But I'm usually I'm just giving out to others. Just all I do is give, give, give. I never receive, you know. But, but we go through life and, and, and we're doing our thing. But we're not in the spirit. You know, I'm, I'm working on some stuff on the life of David right now. And so I, the, the life of David has been so therapeutic in my own heart and my own healing over the last two years looking at him but one thing you see in David is when when he's designated by Samuel in 1 Samuel 13 14 and in 1 Samuel 16 1 and then he's also designated by Paul in Acts 13 22 he's called a man after God's own heart that the Lord sought for a man after his own heart because David's heart was for God's heart. But Saul's heart was for Saul. John is in the spirit. Separated from his friends. Separated from his family. Pulled out. Yanked out of his pastorate. There in Asia Minor. And he's probably worshiping the Lord. On the first day of the week. History would say. And tradition would say. And you can go to this place on the island of Patmos today. That it was in a cave. It's called the cave of revelation. 
that you can go to. You can go online and look and you can see it and everything. And he's worshiping the Lord. And then this, this vision of the Son of Man comes because, and don't miss this, he's in the Spirit. So church, start each day in the Spirit. That's why we have PB and J. That's why we have those bookmarks. That's why we encourage you to journal and be in the Word. And, and it, it's a waste of time. It's a big time waste of time. It is. You're wasting your life by spending time with the Lord. You are wasting. I mean, think of all the things you could be doing. You could be watching the news. You could be in traffic going to work. You could be staying late and working longer for your boss because it matters so much. You could be making another dollar and never taking a day off. Think of the joy of that. You could be in hot pursuit, such hot pursuit of the American dream that you might actually get it. What a waste of time to get up in the morning in the spirit and spend time with the Lord. That is just wasting your life. So I encourage you, waste your life. Waste your time before the Lord and worship him in the spirit. Because when we do that, we connect heart to heart with the Lord and we realize we're precious in his sight and that we're beloved. Guess what? When your heart is brimming with the love of God in the spirit, you're amazing at work. When you're brimming in the spirit, you're patient with people. When you're brimming in the spirit, you love your spouse better. When you're brimming in the spirit, you parent better. Because you are made to be loved and to be beloved and to experience God's love in your life. So John is in the spirit. Verse 11. And then the, the spirit, that Jesus comes to him and says, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book. And send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. To Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. So one of the themes of the book of Revelation is the sovereignty of God. Now remember, this is under Domitian. The whole church is literally running for its life. Believers are running for their life. Jesus comes and he says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Is that not powerful? That in the midst of that kind of a scene and that kind of a world that he was living in, Jesus comes and says, I am the beginning and the end. I've got it all under control. I'm at work. So throughout the book of Revelation, we see this, this work of the Spirit, of the sovereignty of God. And then he gives us the seven churches, and he starts with Ephesus. Then he moves to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea, which we're going to study. That's a postal route in the time of Rome. So he's taking them on a postal route. And that's important in a moment. And what we're going to see in the weeks ahead as we study the seven churches is that they represent in character and in form all churches for all time. The universal church. 
part of why I wanted us to do the Nicene Creed. Because we are one with the, the holy Catholic and apostolic church. We are one with the church in Africa. We are one with the church in Russia. We are one with the church in Asia. We are one with the church in South America and Latin America. We are one with that church. And here he's going to speak of this church historically, pastorally, and practically in the weeks ahead. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Not torches, like the one used at night to go through the night. But a can, and not the candlestick in the temple, but rather a Jewish menorah. We believe that he saw seven Jewish menorahs with the seven candles on each of those. The churches, in verse 20, you can jump ahead if you want. Look at verse 20. Rep are represented by these lampstands. So we're going to see in just a moment that he identifies the churches as these lampstands. That's interesting. The church is a lampstand. It's not, it's not the light. It's the repository of the light. And men and women, we in the church, we, we're the candles. We're the... We're the lampstands to the light. Jesus is the light. In one sense, he says, you are the light of the world. But he's the light, and we're the repository of the light. And so, we are bearers of the light of God to a darkening world. And that's why you're here. That's why we're here. And all of you that are watching this, You're not here. I mean, you count to the Lord, but you don't count to us. Because we need you here. We went from 11 streaming to 171 streaming in one week. So if you're one of those 171, we're glad you're there, but you need to be here. With us. This is the church. The church is not on a screen. This is church. And this is who he's writing to. He's writing to seven real churches. Seven real persecuted churches that came together on Sundays all over Asia Minor. He's getting ready to speak to them to encourage them that in light and even in spite of what's happening in your world... I am still the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am still ruling in the heavenlies. I am still watching over what's going on. And I love you. And I am with you. And I am not this humble servant on a donkey anymore. I am the Lion of Judah. Who's coming. Who's going to come. And we're going to see what he looks like here. It's a little bit different. Than, than Palm Sunday. It's a little bit different. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. So this is the mighty one in the midst of his church with this priestly robe that goes all the way down to the ground. With, he's girded about the chest with a golden band. 
His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. This is no donkey riding Jesus. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His feet were like the fine brass as if refined in a furnace. So it's kind of like they're glowing, I think. That's all I can think of here. His voice as the sound of many waters. How many of you have been around a great waterfall? Anybody been around a great waterfall? That's the only, that's kind of the feeling I have is the thunder. If you saw the movie, The Last of the Mohicans, you know, that big, massive waterfall, and they go up under that waterfall, it just goes, that thing, you know, if you've been to uh, Niagara Falls, you know, that, that must be something of what it's like. Many waters, like many streams coming together. Remember, John's just trying to think of how to describe what he's seeing. Some of it's literal and some of it he has to just kind of describe. So he just says the feet are like fine brass, like heated up in a furnace so they're glowing. And then his, his voice... Is the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. And we'll see in a minute what that is. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. I like he says sharp. A sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. You want to see God? You want to experience this? You kidding me? I mean, this, I mean, John is just going to be, he's thunderstruck. He's just full of fear and he's falling on his face before this thing. Jesus loves his church, saints. He loves you. He loves America. He loves Russia. He loves the church in Europe. He loves the church in South America. He loves the church in China. He loves the church in North Korea. He loves the church in in these places where there's tremendous persecution. The book of Revelation is the great encouragement. This apocalyptic work. This is God. This is Jesus showing up in the midst of his church. This is him revealing his global plan that he had given to Peter when he said, On this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. God has given tremendous power and authority to his church. And he's showing the state of his personage in heaven right now, men and women. This is is the Lord right now in the heavenlies. He hasn't lost control of the earth. He hasn't lost control of what's going on. He is in the midst now. And John has this opportunity to see. And that's what makes the apocalypse, the book of Revelation, so amazing. Because in Revelation chapter 4 and in Revelation chapter 5, we're going to see what heaven's like. We actually, a door is open and John sees heaven. Isn't that awesome? I want you to keep this riveted in your eyes and in your heart as we go into worship. That's who we're worshiping. Be in the spirit tonight. 
Be all the way. Be all there. I mean, most of you, it took a lot of effort to be here tonight. So let's be here. When we go into communion, let's really go into communion. When we go into worship, let's all be in it. Let's, let's not miss anything that God has for us. Let's be in the Spirit. This is the picture of Jesus. Nothing that Domitian can do can change that. Nothing that Congress does can change that. No matter who's the next Supreme Court justice, isn't going to change the throne room of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is a picture of the great bishop, the high priest, and the rock of the church. Jesus as king and ruler. This is what Daniel saw. This is what Daniel 7, 9 says. I watched till thrones were put in place. And the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow. And the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. And so this is the priest, this is the bishop. Daniel had had this vision. John is having this vision. This is the vision of the enthroned Christ where he is right now. And, and he comes with his priest, like a priest. And in his right hand are seven stars. And the word here is angelos. And some have said it's the angels. I don't believe it's angels in the typical sense of the way we view angels. Because this is a circular letter that's going to go out to the angels. To the seven stars. These are the pastors. These are the pastors of the seven churches, the messengers. And then out of his mouth, a gladius sword. A gladius sword comes out, a sharp Two-edged sword comes out of the mouth of the Lord. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Men and women, you've got to be in the word. You've got to be in God's word. It has to be your, your food every day to be in God's Word. It is a two-edged sword. It penetrates heart and soul, bone and marrow. It, it shows you your crummy intentions. How many of you justify yourself a lot in your marriage? The rest of you are just liars. You know you do, you know. We do, and, we, and, we, and our tendency is the intentions of our heart to move in the wrong direction. And God corrects us by regularly being in his word, and it's a two-edged sword. And this picture of Jesus is this sword, this gladius sword coming out of his mouth. Because you know why? Because that's how he speaks. That's how he speaks to us is mainly from his word. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. So there you go. You want a vision of angels? Want a vision of Jesus? John, he walked with Jesus. He's 90 years old. He's been faithful to the end. He drops down as if he's dead. He's just so petrified by this incredible vision. 
But then look what Jesus does here. Don't miss this. Underline this. Highlight it. Whatever you need to do. But he laid his right hand on me. Jesus laid his hand on John. And he says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I mean, here's this magnificent scene. John falls over as if he's dead. And Jesus comes up to him and he lays his hand on him in love. He says, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. Some of you need that touch tonight. Some of you need that touch tonight. Would you let Christ touch you during worship? Would you let Christ touch you? Would you let him, would you feel his hand upon your shoulder? And he says, don't be afraid. It's the most used phrase in all of scripture. Do not fear. And he says, do not fear. I am with you. I am the first and the last. In other words, I've got it all under control. I'm working out my plan. I'm still sovereign over your life. Don't fear. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Christ has the keys of heaven and Hades and hell. Men and women, when you die, your body will remain here, but you will be immediately with the Lord. In the presence of the Lord, the scriptures say. If you do not know the Lord, if you do not have a relationship with Christ, you will go to hell. A place of torment. A place of separation from the Lord. Jesus has the keys. Jesus has the keys. The keys to unlock the doors of Hades and to take you in. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior tonight, give your heart to him. Repent of your sin. Turn from your sin. I don't care if you were confirmed in a church, baptized in a church. If you haven't surrendered your heart to Christ... Jesus, who holds the keys of the kingdom of heaven, will will welcome you in. Welcome you in. And open up heaven. And open up eternal life. And open up a personal relationship with him. Hebrews 2 says this. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death... He might destroy him who had the power of death. So Christ's death, which we're going to celebrate on Good Friday. Good Friday, you're going to come into this room. We're going to have communion at Good Friday. And this room is going to be dark. Everything in this room is going to be dark. And we're going to talk about the death of Christ. At the death of Christ... He destroyed death. At the death of Christ, he destroyed the power of death. That, it, that is the devil and released those who through fear of death were all of their lifetime subject to bondage. So, so Jesus at his death destroyed death, but also destroyed the power of the devil who it appears, and it's a mystery, had the keys of Hades before that. 
And I won't go into that. I've talked about it many times on Good Friday. It's usually a part of my Good Friday service. And I explain what happened during the three days where Jesus went, and I believe he went into hell, and I actually think he encountered the devil. And basically, he made him hand over the keys of sin and death. And he took over at that point. Listen, men and women, don't miss this. If you're a believer in Christ, you will not miss that point where God's calling you home. Not one day too early, not one day too late. God, Jesus, holds the keys of sin and death, and he has that appointed time for all of us. But if you don't know Christ... Listen, you're still under the grip of the power of the enemy. You're still under his grip. You're still under his power. You're not released from the fear of that. You're not released from the darkness of that. And you will not be released until you come to this king, this son of man, who has the keys. And he, wanna, he wants to unlock those fears in your heart and give you courage and confidence and peace that you know him and that you're going to be in a personal relationship with him for the rest of your life. Write these things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. Verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my, in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands are this. The seven stars are the angels, the angelos of the seven churches. These are the pastors of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. So again, the theme of Revelation is, a, is the sovereignty of God over the churches. And the reason I say angels is angelos, my interpretation of that. It's translated, the same word is translated messenger when referring to John the Baptist. In Luke chapter 9, it is used for Jesus' disciples as his messengers. In the book of Acts, messengers or angels were sent out. It must be messengers and pastors because angels don't need mail from human beings to find out what's going on in the heavenly realm. And so these are, these are letters written to seven pastors over the seven churches in Asia Minor. And I take that responsibility close to my heart as a stewardship from the Lord to shepherd you and to love you and to watch over this church and the doctrine of this church and the theology of this church to, to guard and protect you from heresy and to love you and to equip you because this is our church. This is our time. And there's a stewardship involved. And I'm held accountable for that. And so there's seven pastors over these seven churches. And this letter is going out to them. And they need encouragement. Because the persecution is huge at that time. So as we look at it over the next few weeks. We're going to go. And we're going to start going through the churches. The seven churches. And you're going to see aspects of this in yourself. As well as even in the road. And in churches you've been a part of for all time. But remember this. The purpose of the book of Revelation. Is that you might be through Christ an overcomer. That you might learn how to handle tribulation. And the tribulation you're going through. 
with grace and mercy and love. You've been listening to The Road with Pastor Teacher Steve Holt. We hope you have been blessed by today's message. To connect with us further, visit theroad.org. If you are walking through a difficult time, we want to pray for you. Go to theroad.org, click on the Ministries tab, and go to our prayer page to send us your prayer request. Thanks again for tuning in today, and be sure to listen to the next edition of The Road with Pastor Teacher Steve Holt.